Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Let's uh, turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 this morning. As Paul had uh, started in chapter 10, we'd kind of gone over the idea or the concept that from chapter 10 through the the close of, of this letter, so the next four chapters, really Paul is kind of in certain ways uh, going to set some things straight amongst some of the believers that were kind of coming around and maybe trying to slightly undermine the work that was going on there in Corinth. And we know Paul's relationship with them. He had gone there. He had led many of them to the Lord. He was uh, kind of the founding uh, pastor in that sense there. And so he had a very direct involvement with them. He was there for about a year and a half. That's a long stint for Paul. He didn't necessarily usually stay that long in places, but the Lord had him stay there and really help establish the work. And he knows them. He knows what they're going through, the conditions of their environment uh, they're living in. I, I don't think it's much different than our world today, the type of carnality that they were, were kind of pressured by. Obviously, it was 2,000 years ago, so you know, they didn't have internet. They didn't have you know, television. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have all of the modern distractions that we had, but they certainly were distracted by idols and and just the carnality that surrounded them, the fleshy lifestyles, the worldly lifestyles. And so Paul, before he got into this kind of uh, wanting to clear some matters up amongst them, and I think it's interesting, in, in the church today, there is a lot of pressure for a, a thing that's, you know, the term is tolerance, and that we are intolerant and that, uh, that the, the pressure is that we're supposed to be tolerant of all the other things around us. Um, I think there's a difference between loving people and accepting people where they're at versus actually you know, condoning certain lifestyles and certain things that are not consistent with uh, a heart for the Lord or a biblical uh, view of, of uh, life. So, Paul is going to set this score straight kind of a little bit on some issues and some things. But remember, we talked about the first six verses somewhat extensively and that he made sure that he understood, and I think this is so important for us, that whatever your struggle, whatever our struggle, whatever the struggle may be, there is a spiritual aspect to that. God is, one, wanting to do something in your life, through that difficulty or through that struggle. God's wanting to do something in your life through that. And God is also um, wanting to maybe, whether it's purge something out or, or just cause you to draw closer to him through that, whatever it might be in that circumstance, God's got a purpose and a plan. The enemy is wanting to use that on the flip side to cause distraction, to pull you away from the Lord. So there's these dynamics that are in place. And he's saying, the weapons that we use in that warfare that we're engaged in as believers are not fleshy. 
they're spiritual. And we really went through that and the importance of praying about things, seeing your life from a spiritual dynamic or dimension. The struggles you face have a spiritual aspect to them. Sometimes we just think it's just all this circumstantial stuff and we don't really see what the Lord might be wanting to do in that. So now Paul picks up, he's kind of set that pace that he's not looking at this, these circumstances, trying to correct them from a mere man's ways, okay? He's not trying to throw his weight around as it were. He's coming at it from a spiritual perspective. What a helpful thing to look at when we start looking at these things that he throws now at them. Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? He says, are you looking at things from the outward perspective? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ's, let him consider this in himself. And this is picking up in verse 7 of chapter 10. Let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. Now, there are people coming around, just like if you read through Galatians, and it's real helpful to kind of get a feel for what would happen culturally. There would be people that would come around, and there are people that would come around us today and say, hey, that's great that you're following Jesus. Jesus is good. That's great that you believe in God. But you really need to do this, 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 this and this, and there's this big list of all these things that is this expectation. The same was true then as is now. The list may be a little different. They were trying to get them into a legalistic relationship. They're saying, hey, Paul's sharing with you God's grace. That's awesome, but you really need to, and there's all these other things that go with it. Basically, they were Judaizers. They would come along and they would say that was the term that was used because they would try and get these people to live a Jewish traditional life. But these people weren't Jewish people. The lion's share, I would say, of us do not come from a Jewish descent. We're not Jews. You know, we're Gentile people, a lot of us. And all have become one in the person of Jesus Christ. Paul has been very clear about that. And he says, hey, if these people that are kind of bringing on these ideas and telling things to you, hey, he says, you know, we belong to Christ also. For even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, because the question would come up repetitively, who does this guy think he is? That's, that's the question. Who does this guy think he is? What, 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 why is he's not here? He's not around you right now. Who does he think he is trying to tell you how you're supposed to live your life or something? And there again, are you taking this from an outward perspective or are we hearing from the Lord regarding matters? Are we tuned into what God might be speaking? Some might boast. He says, even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us, notice what that authority that was given, the, the rightful place that he had, as a pastor, as an apostle, as a, a, a person that led them to know Jesus, what authority he had, legitimate authority. Not, not a lording over, but I would more call it a, a, the ability to have a platform to speak good things into someone's life. There's a big difference. Not lording over, not calling up and, and, and trying to find out, you know, there are groups, and there was a, a thing that went through our, our country and not a number of years ago, but it was a uh, shepherding doctrine. And that was the, it was, that's what it was 
then come to known as a shepherding doctrine. And they would go over all these things, and, and the people had to, you know, they, they had to you know, open up their, their bank accounts to the leadership, and they had to show, and they had to prove that they were doing this and doing that. And to us, I can see all your faces, like, oh my gosh, that is freaky. I, yeah, I agree. You know, we don't roll that way. We don't see God doesn't want us to roll that way. But it seems freaky. But, I mean, there were people doing that, and they were doing it for their own purposes to extract resources, and that is what we could easily see as a lording over. It's too much. But no authority is chaos. One thing that Jesus commended that is so interesting, highly commended. Remember the centurion? He was highly commended because he had a right understanding of a godly authority. That there needs to be authority in our lives. It's just God's design. It keeps us kind of, you remember going bowling when you're, well, when your kids were younger, for some of us, uh, some of us, they didn't have this when we were kids, but um, they, they did later on. They had, in, when you go bowling, they have these things that inflate on the thing so your ball doesn't go into the gutter so it looks like you can bowl, right? So you kind of, it's bumper bowling, basically, and it goes down. Well, you know, a lot of times the authority that God places in our lives really is kind of like those pads that inflate. They kind of help keep things going the right direction in our lives. And I think that's what we, we need that. I need that. We need that. Authority is a good, healthy thing. But man, our world today, that's like a foul word, isn't it? Well, I don't need anybody telling me what to do, you know? I mean, we just get the weirdest things in our minds. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm telling you, I've been on a lot of job sites. I've done a lot of construction. And I would rather be really aggressive and clear with somebody than see them walk around like this the rest of their lives without their hand because they didn't know how to use the tools wisely. Authority can sometimes be a, a very helpful, beneficial thing. We just, our world doesn't tell us that part. They just tell us, no, you just need to, yo, yo, you just need to be the commander of your own ship and your own destiny. How many of us raise our hands and say, that went very good? My ship ended up sunk in the bottom of the ocean and I'm not even got a dinghy anymore, you know? I mean, I'm just, you know, trying to find a, anything to hang on to. It doesn't work, does it? It just doesn't work. So therefore, if that doesn't work, then we need to fill that with something, right? Did you running all your own life, did that work out well for you? No. Paul knows that when he's telling them this. He's saying, I have a platform that is right that I have as a pastor, as an, as an apostle, as a, as a spiritual leader, and for him as a spiritual father in their lives. He says, I have this, this platform. Let me exercise that, that godly authority. So we're going to talk about what this looks like a little bit. As he says, he says, that authority which the Lord gave us for, and this is really important, what was it given for? What was that authority? What's the next word that you read? Edification. You remember, edification is for the building up, for developing someone in their journey with the Lord. So the word there, edification, what was the authority given for? For edification. And the next little part of that sentence says, and not for your destruction. He says, I don't want to see you destroyed. I don't want to see you distracted by these other things. So I want to exercise that authority for your edification, to, to build you up in what? In your journey with Jesus. That's what it's really all about, is to build one another up in our journey with Jesus, not tear one another down. So we think about our thoughts or our words, 
our lives, are those things doing that? Are they helping build up others in the Lord around us? Or is it just destructive? And you can read through the word. The, the, the list is, is long that goes through and starts to talk about the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. And these things are very evident. Paul here is saying, hey, I don't want to see things happen for your destruction. He says, I shall not be ashamed lest I seem to terrify you by letters. I'm not ashamed of my, my, what I'm writing is what he's basically saying. And the, but others say of him, for his letters they say, those that are in opposition, they say, for his letters they say are weighty and powerful. But his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. You know, when we think of Paul, I don't know that we really think of him that way because he does write so wonderfully, you know, inspired by the Spirit. And it is with power and clarity and authority of the Lord, isn't it? When we read through it, it doesn't seem like he's going to be this, you know, crotchety old guy, you know, you know kind of just sharing his heart. But he's, you know, it, he might not have been as far as historically he goes when we read about him. He, he, he was not an attractive fellow. So he probably wouldn't be on the top 10 preacher circuit in our day to day. And he, he really, his speech, though he was a very intelligent, capable guy, his speech was not real, um, he wasn't a real eloquent person. Remember, they had talked about Apollos in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, the first few chapters. He talked about Apollos, and Apollos was just such a polished fellow by comparison. You know, Paul wasn't that guy. But how much of the word do we have that was preserved it was written by Apollos or through Apollos. You know, God chooses the weak. God chooses whom he chooses to do his purpose and his plan. This is what they're saying, though. His letters, they're, they're, they're weighty and powerful. But man, you know, he, he sounds like he's really got this authority and, and this rightful place and, and stuff. But man, you know, it, it all is just talk. Basically, is what they're saying. His body, he, he, this guy's nothing, man. He's no big deal. He doesn't even speak all that well. Now, go back to the verse seven and just read again that first little thing with a question mark. The first sentence it says, Do you look at, at things according to the outward appearance? So he's kind of wrapping that thought all the way back through now. How, how are you looking at things? What did Paul start out with in the first six verses? Look at things from a spiritual perspective. When you and I are praying for our friends and our family that don't know the Lord, and we want them to come to the Lord, and we're pleading with God for their soul, for their salvation, oftentimes things start to go not well for them. It doesn't go good. Why? Because that, all of a sudden, now the battle's starting to engage in the spirit realm. Now, we're watching that play out in the natural, aren't we? We're watching that play out over here in the natural realm. Them struggling, these issues are happening. God's wanting, allowing that to happen because he wants them to get their attention off of themselves and, and look to God. He wants it to be difficult so that they would then look to the Lord. But oftentimes we see that. And our interest on the natural, the natural side, is to come in and just flood in and try and help from a natural standpoint. I think we ought to really rethink that process and let that play out. I believe in the square nose shovel and the pickup truck theory. The what? 
the square nose shovel and the pickup theory. This is the idea, is sometimes you have to let it go to the point where, man, they've just kind of gotten laid out on the pavement, and you got to show up with your shovel and just throw them in the truck. Because that's the point when someone's ready for help and to hear from the Lord. Now, I didn't cause any of that. You didn't cause any of that. It wasn't just circumstances that caused that. God allowed those things that they might look ultimately to the Lord, pass themselves, and open their lives. Again, are you looking at it from a spiritual perspective, the circumstances, and how are you going to react? I say we keep praying for them. I say we keep giving them the word. I say we keep sharing the simple gospel with them. I say we do what we can in the Lord within the parameter that God's given us, and we're going to talk about the parameter in just a moment. So let such a person in verse 11 consider this, that what we are in word by letters when we are absent, such we will also be indeed when we are present. He says, hey, I'm going to be this way. Whatever you're reading, I'm, it's going to be the same. I'm not going to change my MO. I'm going to be firm and clear because I have the authority to do so in the Lord, given to me by the Lord, is what he's saying. I've, I've been given this by the Lord. The Lord gave him that, that authority, which the Lord gave us for what? To build up, not to, to tear down. When others come in with these other ideas and things sometimes, it's what the Bible calls, it's, it says it's divisive. And that being divisive is it's somewhat destructive. It's somewhat destructive because it's bringing things in that are not consistent with the flow of what God's doing in a, in a place or in a, in a circumstance or in someone's life. So Paul here is saying, hey, these things that I'm talking about are going to be the same. I'm, I'm not going to... Uh, I'm going to deal with this in the realm of the Spirit. doesn't matter what I look like. doesn't matter how I talk. I am going to deal with this in the Lord, and the Lord's going to take care of it. Paul's a, a, a great man, no doubt, of faith. When we read through Acts and we look at the various things that happened, think of the, the gal that had a, a spirit of divination, and she's you know constantly heckling Paul. And... and the guys that had traveled with him there in Philippi. And, and they're constantly heckling. Now, Paul, they went over there because he had vision from the Lord to go. God purposed it on his heart. There was a man of Macedonia calling out to him. He goes over to, to, to check it out. And as he's there, they find out where the, the people are meeting. And remember, he runs into this gal, Lydia. And now, as they're going back and forth to meet with these people, there's this gal that's heckling them all the time. Spirit of divination. In other words, she was kind of a fortune-telling person. It was a demonic spirit that was within her. And, you know, she's just kind of vibing them and all this stuff. And finally, Paul just looks over and basically it ends up casting out the demon spirit. So this guy's a spiritual dude. He's walking in the spirit. He's dealing with things in the spirit. He sees past the heckling and sees what this is really all about and addresses that. You see what I'm saying? He isn't getting some debate with her theologically about what are you talking about? I really am. You know, he doesn't get into any of that, does he? He goes right for the jugular, man. Oh, you've got a demon spirit in you, you know, deals with it. Now, ultimately, gosh, God does a radical work in and through that situation. This is the idea for us. Are you looking at circumstances from a spiritual perspective. 
And are you responding in a spiritual way? That's really the crux of this. Are you looking at it from a spiritual perspective? Are you responding from a spiritual perspective? Sometimes we go totally, all of the above start happening. We see it spiritually, we acknowledge it spiritually, we talk spiritual, but we're still responding very much just in the natural to it. And we want to get it balanced out to where we're functioning scripturally and we're able to really be effective. Let's read on. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. It's kind of a mouthful for a fellow like me. But he says, for we, verse 12, dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. So these are people that are into self Commendation. They commend themselves amongst themselves. And we don't want to be a part of that either. That's not healthy. That's not godly. We want to let the Spirit and God be in control. We, he says, we don't compare ourselves. We don't even want to be lumped in with that kind of process, comparing ourselves with those who commend themselves. He goes, but they, and this is how the self-commendation goes. He goes, but they measuring themselves by themselves. This is the thing. You and I aren't supposed to be comparing ourselves to each other. You see, we have an example, and our example is the person of Jesus Christ. He's our leader. That is what we look to. He's the one we look to. We're not to compare ourselves to one another, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, Paul says, are not wise. That's not wise. Jesus is our standard. If, in fact, we compare ourselves amongst one another or by each other, there's two things that happen. One, the first thing that happens is that when we go through this process is we will end up puffing ourselves up because we are building ourselves up by comparing and looking to, to one another and not seeing the spiritual dynamic of this and just only looking at it from the natural side, comparing to one another. It's going to puff up because some people that are really good at working on cars are really capable at it. And you can say, well, gosh, I wish I was more like that. I, I just, you know, I just don't have that. So now you're comparing yourself. Now, that person that's there that says, yeah, you're pretty lame, you know. And now, now, that person feels pretty good about themselves, right? But they've compared themselves with someone who is less than and not quite as capable, right? So now that person's puffed up, feels good about themselves, but the other person is reduced, right? He says, no, nah, that's not the way to fly. They're comparing themselves to themselves and amongst themselves. It's not wise. One is pulled down, another is elevated. Another's pulled down, another's elevated. You know, it's not, that's not godly. That's not healthy for you. That's not healthy for me. We shouldn't interact that way. Thank you so much uh, for listening today. This is Pastor Jim, and I'm really blessed that you've tuned in, and I, I hope that uh, 
God's really doing a, a fresh new work in your life. And oftentimes, uh, when we hear messages like today's message, the Lord starts to tug on our hearts, and, and he, he wants to hear from us. He wants our response, and that's just a prayer, a simple prayer of faith. And maybe you just need to get right with God. Maybe you need to repent and turn your life back over to the Lord. Maybe you just need to give your life to Jesus, and you've never done that before. This is your time. This is your opportunity. God's word goes out. And he's making himself known, and he wants you to live and have everlasting life. Incline your ear and come to him. And so Jesus is calling out to you, and it's your opportunity to respond and call back to him and just open that door in your heart. It's a simple response in prayer. It doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. If you just pray this simple prayer of faith, God will come into your life and make your heart his home. Jesus I ask that you would do just that, make my heart your home, that you would come in and forgive me of my sin. I want to ask you to be my personal Lord and Savior. I know this isn't about religion. It's about a relationship, and I want to start that relationship. You're calling out to me. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. I'm in need of spiritual help, and so I'm calling out to you, God, asking that you would help me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making yourself known to me. And Lord, I just want to receive that gift of everlasting life. I want to thank you for it right now. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, Simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash calvarychapelkc. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com, or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.